this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. to Comic Book Noise. I'm your host, Derek Howard. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com and it's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. If you'd like some feedback, you can email me. <coughs> My email address is Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at comicbooknoise.com or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. Um... If you go to comebacknoise.com, you can donate to the show uh, either through PayPal or Phonic Minutes or by becoming a patron. Um, oh, crap. I don't have it right now. Um, hold on a second. Uh, okay. Um, like these fine folks. <clears throat> and this is in alphabetical order. Oh, I swear. All right. Um, thank you to Bruce Rosenberger, Chris, and Dave Levine. Dave Slusher, Edmore Jr., Frankie De Jesus, and I don't know if Frankie's listening to this, but um, you have my condolences, man. He suffered a um, a big loss. Yeah, sorry, man. Um, James Johnson, thank you. Ken Kennedy, thank you. Rick, thank you. And Vicious Smith, thank you. One and all, I um, am usually driving, and I. For some odd reason, never have the list of patrons uh, written down. But this time I'm sitting at my desk. So I decided, hey, why don't I just actually look it up this time? Ah, excuse me. Um, This show is a bit of an experiment. I did the last show, which the last episode is only like what, 10 minutes maybe. And when I got done, you know, I was done making a lot of noise. But, um... It didn't feel done, but I didn't have enough time to record another episode. Um, so what I've decided to do is when I'm driving or if I'm just sitting around and I feel like recording, I'm going to record, you know. Uh, so basically what this is, is a bunch of different things that I've recorded, usually while driving. Um and now I'm putting them all together, you know. So let me know what you think about this experiment, if you like it or if you don't like it. And um, I will possibly <laughs> make changes accordingly, although you know, we all know me. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, um, thanks, and uh, here we go. Okay. So I was reading um, Superman, an issue of Superman. Um, I think it's 17 or 18. Whichever one, it's the one before the big reveal. You know, the one that's been in the paper every... Well, not the paper, but, you know, on news services. Um, it's already been announced that Superman is going to reveal to the world that he's actually Clark Kent. Because those um, storylines where the hero reveals his secret identity have never gone wrong. You know, 
Although the last time I think it was done pretty well was when um oh god what's his name uh d -d 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 Matt Murdock was revealed to be um Daredevil. I thought that Bendis handled that very handled that very well. So I'm pretty sure that he'll handle this one very well as well. But I don't want to talk about that because quite frankly. In, in uh, my comic book reading world, that hasn't happened yet. Um, like I said, I think it's next month, maybe the month after that. I'm not sure. However, um, a couple of things that I did notice is, number one, the uh, cover for it. Um, I forgot who did it. It was really nice. But it was just a picture of um, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman on the cover of really really well done uh, but it didn't didn't give me a clue as to what was going on in the story quite frankly um, even after I read it I don't even remember if the other two were in it I'm kind of assuming they were because they were on the cover but I don't really remember if they had any uh, anything of any kind of relevance <laughs> to the story because it was a typical um, Bendis story where it was it had some nice moments it had some nice dialogue um but i really could not even begin to tell you what the story itself was now the reason i bring it up is because lois was talking to um superman and she mentioned that he had to be having problems with uh his father i think said his father was gone to the past and his son's gone to the future. Now, his son going to the future, I understand what that's a reference to. Because I'm reading um, the New Legion of Superheroes book. Where uh, the new Superboy is in the future. You know, not the not uh, Connor Kent, but Jonathan Kent, I guess. I don't know. Um, the one with the superpowers, you know. Uh, well, no, the other one had superpowers too. But the one who's Superman in Lois Lane's, I guess this is biological son. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, anyway, one of the things that, that, that they were kind of talking about was Superman and his father. You know, and it's it made me think because when I was growing up. Um, Superman's parents were dead, you know. Um, all four of them were dead. You know, the uh, the Kryptonians were blown up, and the um, the Kents had died. Uh, I forgot what they said. There was some sort of uh, virus that killed them. Um, this was before Crisis, uh, so that lets you know how long I've been reading comics. <laughs> So, in fact, when uh, Superman the movie, excuse me, Superman the motion picture came out, and uh, his mother, <coughs> excuse me, when his, and his uh, father, Lynn Ford, died, but his mother, who I can't remember, um, stayed alive, you know, the whole thing was that, you know, he was taking care of his silver-haired grandmother, his silver-haired grandmother, Jesus, his silver-haired mother, you know, um, and that was like sort of a thing that I remember people at the comic store 
were complaining about, you know, because, you know, his parents were dead. And now they, they, they brought back the mother. You know, why? Okay, I don't see how it's a big deal, but okay. Um, and then later, uh, I think John Byrne kept both his parents alive. You know? But, uh, so, you know, to me, his, his, his parents alive, dead, you know, who cares? Um, I don't mean to say who cares because it can, can be in the right hands very well done characters. You know, they could be the, uh, the touchstone for Superman, you know, um, the alienness that he has to feel, not because he was born on another planet, but because he has all these powers that other people don't have. Um, the fact that, quite frankly, the fact that he's he's a small town boy who's in like the big city most of the time, you know, that's something that uh, a lot of writers will play up for laughs at times. But that's that's a real thing, <laughs> you know. There, I've known people who come from really small towns who, when they come to a large city, they are just like almost overwhelmed with everything that they have and they realize that uh, life's not what they thought it was. Now whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on the individual person but that is something that's that's real. Um, but it's not something that a whole lot of uh, Superman writers will uh, look to unless it's you know, like I said, as comedy. Um, but one thing that I have noticed, and, you know, the, the, of course, um, when I'm reading Bendis, it, it comes up again. It's like, how many people since Crisis have decided to make, you know, I, this is what I was thinking. How many people since Crisis have decided to make, you know, Superman's issues with his father, his father's a big deal, you know, because I mean, that's what a that's what a lot of people had a problem with with the um, the Man of Steel movie. They thought that uh, Kevin Costner just gave some horrible, horrible advice, you know, one time after another. Um, and when you compare it to Glenn Ford's advice, yeah, he, he was definitely out of line. Um, in Smallville, there was, you know, his relationship with his father was focused on much more than his relationship with his mother. Um, but then I thought back to, uh, once again, Superman, the motion picture. Um, even though his parent, you know, even though his parents were dead because of uh, the, 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 the crystal thing in the first movie, he had a, um, a relationship with Marlon Brando and not with uh, Susanna York, I believe. Um, and not until the second movie, and even then, you know, she seemed like a bitter pill for the most part. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's something that's always, you know, been there. People have cared more about Jor-El than Lara for years. It's almost like they don't know what to do with that particular character. Um, and I've seen, I've seen many incarnations of uh, Jor-El. You know, Jor-El used to just be a scientist. Um, but in Man of Steel, he was a fucking scientist warrior. You know? Um, oh, when uh, when Alan Moore wrote him in that uh, the man who has everything, he was 
you know, pretty much a, 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 an almost, he was a cult leader, basically, you know, uh, and they always seem to want to say how he's disappointed in Clark, oh, excuse me, Cal, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's weird, um, because like I said, when I was growing up, Superman didn't really have a relationship with, um, with Jonathan because Jonathan was dead and he definitely didn't have one with Jor-El because Jor-El was more than dead. You know, Jor-El was space dust, you know, and he had been since way before the whole story began. Um, yeah, so to, to whenever they put a emphasis on his relationship with Jor-El, it always kind of like throws me a bit, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. He did probably would give a shit about what Jarrell thinks, you know, because Jarrell's the one who put him in this uh, situation in the first place with the superpowers and the uh, alien planets and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I don't know, it's just something that I was thinking about. Alright, um, I read the third issue of, um, the New Legion of Superheroes book, and it looks like he's like uh, Bendis is starting to um, solidify a story, but um, there's still some too cutesy stuff along the way. I know I have a friend who does not like the uh, the dialogue that um, Bendis has been writing for this book. Um, I don't have a problem with the dialogue. However, it does... It finally occurred to me what the first two issues reminded me of. And it reminded me of a Robert Altman film. You know, something like... Um, something more like Nashville than, um, than Shortcuts. Uh, where it's, like, really just a bunch of people talking. And eventually you understand through what is being said and what's going on uh you get the story uh, and that's just what this um that's what this series seems like to me at least so far you know um and the the, the, the two cutesy stuff is the use of uh interlac which is the uh oof what was it about this the, the 80s late 70s, early 80s, maybe, they came up with a, um, with their, with uh, their own, um, alphabet, you know, the language itself is still, is still English, but the alphabet has all these different, um, images, and when I, uh, opened up the first page of, uh, issue three, they had, uh, <laughs> Dawnstar, talking and in the back you know everything else besides her actual dialogue was done in interlac you know and I was I, I put the book down for a second I was like god damn it you know it's like you know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take up for you and this is the shit you pull um, but once you get at first I was gonna you know because yes I'm one of those people I have uh the interlac alphabet saved on my phone somewhere but I decided 
no, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna let it go. <laughs> I'm just not gonna, not gonna, not gonna go through uh, decrypting all of that. I might one day, but for right now, I'm just gonna assume it says, hey, the story so far, you know. Anyway, um, but they, it seems like he's finally getting around to telling the story. Um, there was this one thing that they wanted. It was sort of like a like a orientation film that they wanted the Superboy Jonathan Kent to watch, um, and he kept finding other things to do. Uh, and then it turns out that that is really um, going to be useful information going forward, because at the end, oh yeah, I should have yeah, spoiled. I think I put a spoiler in the uh, in the intro. Anyway, so um, part of what he did was he went back in time to get his best friend, Damian Wayne, to bring him to the future. And everybody is like, whoa, wait a minute. Is that Robin? You know, that's Robin here. You know, and at first I thought that, okay, they didn't want Robin here because, you know, they didn't bring him themselves, you know. Um, And there was also a deal where when he first got to the future, he sort of passed out, which would kind of make sense, um, because the, the oxygen levels should be different, you know, especially since I don't believe they're on Earth anymore, so I mean, it just would be different, if you brought a, a, a caveman or even somebody from the, um, from medieval days, and today's pollution, you know, the, the polluted atmosphere, they may not be able to breathe at all, you know, uh, so that part sort of made sense, but then they got to, like, the last couple of pages, and there's, like, a big reveal about Robin's, uh, future that they're trying to stop, and that one, it was, it was, it wasn't exactly subtle, but it still hit me like a brick, it was like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, it wasn't like, dun, dun, dun. It's more like, oh, yeah, who brought baby Hitler to the future? You know, it's like, whoa, wait a wait, hold, what? <laughs> hold on, hold, wait a minute. So I kept saying, look, you really need to watch this thing. Um, and so I don't know, but it looks like they're going to try to use Jonathan Kent to change something in Damian Wayne's past. You know, now that's time travel bullshit, and I usually hate time travel bullshit. Um, but we'll just have to see where it's gonna go. You know, like I said, it's time travel bullshit. But uh, I'm 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 enjoying that portion where they're actually it actually took they're doing something. There's a uh, there's another storyline where they're talking about um, uh, Ultra Boy's father, who I don't recall them ever showing Ultra Boy's father uh, prior to this series, you know, and all the other iterations of Legion. Um, But he's like some warlord who's actually in charge of Rimbor. And for some odd reason, he wants Aquaman's trident, and the Legion is taking it from him. And so it's 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 really weird. And when Monel finds out, he uh, like knocks the old man out, and uh, 
it was funny saying, yeah, well, according to our world, uh, Monel is now, you know, ruler of Rimbor. I thought that was funny, you know, because that's just, usually when they're writing uh, stories like that, where it's like some quote-unquote um, brutal militaristic uh, society, whoever can knock out or beat up the the head guy is now the new head guy. <coughs> anyway, so I, I thought it was funny. Um, it's still taking some getting used to because um, not only do we have this new character um, who's Joe's father, but there's also a Mordru lurking around in the story and no don't know what's up with him um so yeah yeah if you're a legion fan if you're a long time legion fan uh i really would not recommend this book because i don't think that you're gonna like it and i'm talking about like old school like um back when element lad had the the pink suit with the e on the front i'm talking about that far back i don't think you'll like it Maybe if you have gone through all these different uh, different reboots, then you'll just see it as just another reboot, and you might be able to find some sort of enjoyment in it. But um, I remember two Legion of Superheroes books on Facebook, and oh my God, these people absolutely hate it. You know, I've always tried to figure out which fandom is most toxic to the object that they're a fan of um, and I think that I may have found somebody who beats the Funky Winker Bean fans you know I mean because well these Funky Winker Bean those assholes just seem to hate it, everything about it you know and they, they read it just so they can get a, a hate heart on and they can jack off early in the morning to their coffee, I guess. I don't know. I don't like those people. That said, these, these Legionnaire haters are really close. Um, if you go in saying anything complimentary about this, see, this series, and you will get at least a dozen people telling you how wrong you are and you should have been around in, in the old days. And, you know, even if you said it, even if you were to say, hey, you know, I've been reading a book ever since Jim Shooter was writing it, and, you know, and I really enjoy this, they'll still tell you that you're wrong, you know, I mean, it's just, it's really just amazing, you know, there are people who think that the Star, um, <coughs> the Star Wars people are bad, because they don't like, um, The Last Jedi, um, or the Star Trek people are bad, because they don't like the um the abrams verse you know um or you know wrestling fans are wrestling fans so you know they don't know shit but no i mean man these guys i'm serious it's like some funky winker bean level of hatred going on in some of those people and if you don't know what i'm talking about find a funky winker bean group and just hey i really enjoy this this um this strip, and I think that Tom Baddock is is a genius, and watch how quickly they will shit all over you, 
everything that you stand for, everything your ancestors have stood for, and everything all your descendants will stand for. Those are some hate-filled people. And by the way, fuck them. Anyway, um, yeah. So the Legion, I'm enjoying it, but I can, I can see why why that makes me a horrible person. You know. All right. Um, another book that I have been reading. Um, I think there's like a six-part story. Um, and I'm and it's up at number five now, and that's Fantastic Four. I think it's called Point of Origin. Um, pretty much, the uh, Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four decide that you know they never finished their space um, travel from issue number one. You know the. Uh, the ship, which was called uh, Marvel One, or The Marvel, um, didn't make it. As everybody knows, it got hit by um, cosmic rays. It ended up uh, crashing, and the four inhabitants of the ship got superpowers. You know, it's the origin of the, of the Fantastic Four is one of the most famous origin stories around. Um, and so Reed decides, hey, you know what? I, 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 I'm leaving this unfinished. I want to finish it, you know? So he built a second ship called the Marvel 2. And they're going to this planet. I don't know if they ever mentioned what planet they were trying to get to before this storyline. Um, but Dan Slott and I, right now I'm driving, so I cannot remember the name of, this, of, this, of the planet itself. Um, but I guess Dan Slott created it. He populated it with these uh, characters. Um, because when I say characters, because when they arrive at this planet, after all this time, they are pretty much greeted by a planet that is inhabited with superpowered beings. Right? I don't think everybody has superpowers, but... Um, the ones that we are introduced to all, all have superpowers. I mean, they all have... And this is one thing I really like about what uh, Dan Slott is doing with this storyline. Is that they have um, histories and relationships and um, personalities that you don't really see when you have your main characters go to a planet or their other superheroes, you know. I mean, it's just not something that they really fill in the blanks uh, the first time out. Uh, maybe second or third time if those characters are um, popular and interesting enough, if a different writer, if even if the same writer revisits them, then they will add some, uh, some nuance to the characters. But usually first time out, you don't get that. Right, um, but this one, oh God, I cannot remember the name of the group because <sighs> I really like it. Oh, well, first off, I should tell you that when I go there, it's a planet of you know all black people. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm trying to remember if there were even any um, 
white people or non-blacks in the background. I'm, I, I have to take a look. Um, but, you know, they're all black. Um, and because there really wasn't any... Um, overwhelming variance in the genetic uh, histories of these characters. Um, there, there's not really a whole lot of um, variance in uh, skin tone, you know. So, I in the past, you know, I've I've complained about comic book black, uh, you know, every. Every black person <laughs> in DC or Marvel seemed to have the exact same shade. Um, until you get to the book Zero, X-E-R-O, um, <laughs> Christopher uh, Christopher Priest and uh, I believe Criss Cross did that book, and um, they wanted uh, the priest especially wanted you know, the, the characters to be different shades, you know, um, and when he had his original colors, his original colors got it, but then when they replaced it with a different one, that color is just fucked everything all up, <laughs> you know, so one character looked drastically different towards the end of the run it was it just became a mess you know and that to me was like one of the things that was really confusing it's like wait a minute what why is she talking this way but anyway in this case uh comic book black makes sense you know um <laughs> i'm really trying to uh to not go into um uh, stuff I'm not going to go into. Anyway, so when the Fantastic Four arrive, they're actually, they're actually expected, you know. It's the, um, they're called the foretold, you know. And uh, we find out <laughs> almost immediately that the Fantastic Four are basically this planet's version of the antichrists you know it's like they've been you know these four are told to come from the stars and they're going to come and they're going to just destroy society as we know it um oh, i can't remember i can't remember a lot of the, the the details but you know they they expect that like the great all-seeing eye that they have um, that's not what they call it. I'm almost positive. Um, it's going to be destroyed. The leader of the planet, who I want to say was named Overseer, but I'm not 100% positive. Um, he was, he's going to lay at their feet broken, and society's going to be in ruins, all because the uh, Fantastic Four, well, because the Foretold show up. Um, and so the leader basically says, hey, um, you know, kill these guys. You know, tells this, this, this super group, you know, to kill them. Uh, but not all at once, right? Because they kind of separate them. Um, Reed and Sue stay together, of course. Um, Johnny is introduced to one of the characters named Sky, And she apparently has been told that he is her soulmate. 
and uh, Ben Grimm is taken to a, a different area to see people, but he's pretty much thrown into like the uh, the underworld, you know, the the gutter of the gutters, you know, this underground where they put all the monsters, and uh, <laughs> that's just like it, the the first part and a half of um of the beginning like so i'm at issue number five and there's some twists and turns and like i said i really like these these new characters i could not pick them out of, of a lineup i don't know any of their names <coughs> but they were like really cool i'm gonna go back and reread the whole storyline once it ends um so i'll probably go into more detail but if you're not reading Fantastic Four, I can understand why, because Fantastic Four has had all these fits and starts over the years where they have a direction and all of a sudden, and we're going to bring in a new creative team and they're going on a whole new direction. You know, um, Years ago, Mark Wade had taken over the book and it was going to get back to the, the sort of uh, exploration aspect of the team. You know, and it was that way for a while, but then it got to pretty much standard superheroics. Um, and then uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman did a great run on it, but his run in the beginning really wasn't like his run towards the end. You know, he uh, sort of fractured his storytelling. So the one part was about the um, the uh, the Fantastic Four. The other part was about the what the the, fan, the the Fantastic Foundation, which is all the the kids. Um, and so, to me, even though I liked it, it sort of suffered from uh, a lack of focus, you know. And he got that lack of focus back in his Avengers run. Um, now he's on his X Men run, and I can't wait for him to finish up so I can uh, read that. Um, oh, Dwayne McDuffie was going to put uh, different people into it, and then his run was uh, cut short through no um, nothing that he wanted to do. You know, uh, James Robinson had a pretty good run going, and then the book got canceled. So if you're not reading it, I can understand. There's actually people out there who don't like Dan Slott. You know, they don't like his work, um, which the biggest problem, I think, with Dan Slott's trajectory is that he went from like, and I know that these are, I'm, I'm from the way I know him, I'm pretty sure that these are all like mixed up, but he went from The Thing to She-Hulk, you know, and he's telling really good stories, and then he ended up with Spider-Man. Right, and every time he he did something different, made a change, you know, the people would shit all over it because that's what Spider-Man fans like to do, you know. It's like nobody told really good stories since um, oh Stan Lee or Jerry Conway, you know. Um, everybody since then has pretty much sucked ass compared to the you know up according to these guys. So I think that if he had gone to a different book, 
besides um, Spider-Man, I think he he a lot of people wouldn't have a problem with him. You know, not, you know, the, the the same people who have a problem with him uh, now would not have a problem with him if he had skipped uh, Spider-Man. Because a lot of times when they are complaining, they're complaining about his Spider-Man run. You know, and it's the same thing with the. Uh, with Mark Wade, Mark Wade was doing good. Mark Wade was, you know, uh, universally respected, really well liked. And he took Spider Man, and all of a sudden, the guy just became like a demon. <laughs> you know, people hated him. It's like, jeez, wow. And you know, once again, I, I can compare, you know, a lot of Spider Man fans to Funky Winkerbean fans. Although, you know, there's a lot more Spider Man fans who actually want to see new stories who are who are actually liking new directions um and they sort of uh dilute the um the the, the sayers of nay but then you've got uh those funky winker being yes i'll probably always talk shit about funky winker being fans right it's like because there's such a small number of them and they are so toxic that it's just amazing, you know. Anyway, because I've heard people say good things about um, Spider-Man more than once. Never heard anybody say. I've never read anything nice about Funky Winker being more than one time, you know. So I fuck those guys. Anyway, so yeah, I think that if he had gone, I don't know. I don't know where he could have gone. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know where, who Dan Slott could have taken over before he got there. You know, before he got to um, to Fantastic Four, and maybe people would have liked him. Because, like I said, I like his run, uh, but I, I like Dan Slott. I like his Spider-Man. I like his um, his uh, his uh, um, She-Hulk, jeez, as well as his um, thing. Um, yeah. So, I can understand why if you've been burned in the past, you may not want to read it. But it is actually some really good stuff. He's been, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he's actually been tying up some loose ends that uh, uh, didn't really know needed to be tied up. You know, um, Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters finally got married, and they actually, you know, referenced. Uh, Johnny Storm marrying uh, Alicia at one point, <laughs> uh, and now they're they're wrapping up like, and and an unended thread from going all the way back to issue one. But it's really good, and like I said, I, you know, as I've been talking, I realize that I'm talking out of my ass, <laughs> and I should have done at least, I should have at least read one one of the books, you know, I don't know, before I got in the car so that I could have some of it fresh in my memory, but because of that, I am going to go later on with a much better um, discussion, you know, a review, a whole, going over the whole thing. I, probably, I might go over issue by issue, because like I said, I really liked it, I like these characters, um, I would really like to see more of these characters written by Dan Slott. However, um, I don't think that these, that these particular characters are, would be pretty popular. Um, 
especially with the comic skate guys, because they say, well, why don't, why don't new characters get created, right, instead of uh, changing the race and gender of existing characters, which nobody actually does, um, so I think those guys are just going to say, yeah, these are new characters, I don't want to be bothered with them, all right, go squeeze, anyway, um, so I don't think they'll like it, and because these are new characters, I think a lot of people won't give it a shot, um, but that'll be a discussion for another time. Okay, and there's the episode. Oh, hmm. I gotta call my mom now. <laughs> anyway, uh, let me know what you think. You can email me my own address. Blah, 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 blah. My email address is Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at comicbooknoise.com. Or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0771. Or you can just contact me. Anyway, if you if you listen to this episode, you probably already know how to contact me. Um, just contact me. Just say, hey, Derek. That, 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 that was this is pretty cool. This is pretty good, and I like the way that this is going. Or you can say, Derek, just give it up. It sounds like shit. Go back to the old way. Anyway, right now I'm done making a lot of noise. A lot of comic book noise. Take it easy. Oh, my God.